This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. This is the next in our series of podcasts relating to investigations. The first focused on civil fraud, um, but today we're going to look at issues relating to bribery and corruption uh, from a criminal perspective. My name is Rachel Warren, and I'm a legal director in the Litigation and Dispute Resolution Division. And I am joined today by Kevin McCartney, a barrister from Five Paper Buildings, who specialises in criminal and regulatory law. And we're going to talk about some of the issues relating to bribery, which could come up in business. But before we do this, uh, Kevin, many people listening to this podcast will be aware that bribery is a criminal offence, but may not be familiar with the precise elements of the offence. So I wonder if you might be able to give a, a bit of an overview by way of a start. Well, Rachel, we're really concerned with sections one to five and section seven of the Bribery Act 2010. And really, by way of a summary, um, giving somebody a financial or other advantage to encourage that person to perform their functions or activities improperly or reward that person for having already done so uh, can amount to an offence. This could cover seeking to influence a decision maker by giving some kind of extra benefit to them rather than what can be legitimately offered as part of, for example, a tender process. It's important to note that an offence can be committed even if a bribe is paid or accepted when no specific desired result or advantage is identified. Um, By way of example, regular cash payments to individuals in the acquisitions department of a company Um, Section 7 deals with um, the liabilities of a commercial organisation for uh, somebody who is performing a service for it, like an employee or an agent. Now, if that employee or agent, um, unbeknownst to the company, pays a bribe specifically to get business, keep business or gain a business advantage, the company can be uh, liable um, for having committed an offence. However, the company will have a full defence if it can show that it had adequate procedures in place to prevent the bribery which uh, they didn't know about. It's important to remember that um, the Act covers both the public and private sectors. In that sort of overview, I suppose financial, what might be a financial advantage is quite straightforward, but what might be meant by other advantages is probably less clear. So I suppose this this raises the question, particularly in a business context, of whether or not hospitality could amount to a bribe within the provisions of the Act. The government guidance is quite clear in that the Act is not designed to prevent hospitality provided um, to establish or cement good relations with clients. So, for example, um, tickets for the Grand Prix are not likely to fall foul of the Act. But hospitality may, or the provision of hospitality may amount to a bribe depending upon the specific circumstances. By way of illustration, In order to proceed with the case under Section 1 of the Bribery Act, based on an allegation that the hospitality was intended as a bribe, the prosecution would need to show 
that such hospitality was intended to induce conduct that amounts to a breach of an expectation that a person would act in good faith, impartially, or in, or in accordance with a position of trust. So whilst tickets to a sporting event probably wouldn't meet the criteria, first-class airline tickets around the world accompanied by exclusive hotels with the intention of securing a contract to the exclusion of uh, other, perhaps more uh, competitive commercial uh, organisations might well amount to uh, establishing the offence of bribery. Thanks, Kevin. So um, that quite helpfully leads on to the um, scenario which we're now going to have a look at um, and then we're going to have a chat about some of the issues that might affect the the, the people involved in that scenario just to give a flavour of what this might look like in real life. Um, And so for those listening on the the, the web page, the the scenario is set out. So it it might be helpful to have that in front of you whilst you're listening to me just running through it now. And also whilst we're discussing uh, some of the issues which might arise. So um, we've got a company, Company A, which is based in the UK and is one of a number of UK manufacturers which makes widgets. And we've got Mr. Pink, and he's engaged as an agent to market the sale of widgets in Asia by Company A. But he is also employed by Company B. Now, Company B manufactures machinery. It's also a UK company with worldwide manufacturing sites. And the widgets... um, made by company A or or the widgets like those made by company A are an integral part of the the machinery which is manufactured. So Mr. Pink organises various events and extensive hospitality, which is all paid for by company A. And he also gives some employees at company B Christmas bonuses, which are paid in cash. Company B then purchases widgets from company A And Company A pays 0.1% of the value of every order received from Company B to Mr. Pink as part of the agency arrangement between them. So, Kevin, starting perhaps with Mr. Pink, because I think the issues relating to him are perhaps more obvious. Um, But I wonder whether, in, in your view, he's offering a bribe. And I'm thinking particularly about the hospitality and also the bonus cash payments made at Christmas. Um, so I'd be grateful for your thoughts. Well, if we just pause for a moment and think about Mr. Pink's position as an employee with Company B, he's clearly trusted as an employee and it would, he would be expected to carry out his functions as an employee with good faith and in an impartial manner. And then one looks at his activities. He is being paid commission by another company to secure um, the sale of um, widgets to be purchased by Company B. To do that, he is providing extensive hospitality. And as we looked at earlier on, it would really depend on what that was and whether or not it really was an inducement to secure, for example, a contract that Company A wouldn't otherwise get. The clearest example of an offence under the Act 
is the payment of cash payments to um, employees at Company B, which even if Company A don't secure uh, a, a contract to sell the widgets to Company B, would in itself um, be likely to amount to an offence under the Bribery Act. So one's got to start off with um, Company B, uh, Mr. Pink's position in Company B, and then look at what he does. So just, just to, I've got a question here. We're talking about the, the cash payments. Is there any kind of de minimis? Would it matter, do you think, how much was being paid by way of a cash bonus? I think the issue is whether or not it, it is something that is being paid to I- I induce um, the improper performance of a relative, uh, a relevant function. Um, so if he lent him a pound to, to get the bus home, one can readily see how that would fall foul of the act. But on the other hand, if he's giving him a brown envelope containing a thousand pounds, one can see that it would. Okay, so is there any other, are there any other issues um, relating to Mr. Pink before we move on to have a look at Company A? Well, it really crosses over, I suspect, between the um, the issues impacting upon Mr. Pink and Company A. But the other important factor, of course, is the fact that Company A is paying, uh, and it follows that Mr. Pink is accepting the commission payments and circumstances where it impacts upon his good faith and impartiality in respect of his employment with Company B. Okay, so now now moving on to Company A, what what are the sort of more, most obvious issues can you, that you can see there? The first point uh, really is what what does Company A or individuals within Company A know about the activity? of Mr. Pink and the manner in which he is uh, securing business for their company. If they are paying him um, a, a percentage without knowing that he's employed by Company B and without knowing that he is uh, providing extensive hospitality that could be viewed as covering as a bribe or directly bribing by cash payments, um, well, then they might seek to say that they've done nothing wrong. They've merely engaged an agent to market their product. However, if they know, first of all, about the conflict that Mr. B, uh, Mr. Pink is employed uh, with Company B, um, well, then things become a little bit more difficult because they would be aware um, of the expectation that Mr. Pink would act in good faith and impartially as part of his employment with Company B. If, for example, Company A knew and expected and paid that commission on the basis that Mr. Pink would persuade his employers, um, namely Company B, to provide, um, uh, to purchase the widgets from Company A, when there might, for example, be be more favourable commercial terms from other competitors, well, then that would make a Company A or individuals within Company A liable under the Act. Um, certainly, if they knew that their money was being used um, to um, pay cash bonuses um, 
to uh, relevant individuals within Company B, um, uh, it would be, without further explanation, um, a breach of the Bribery Act. Even if Company A don't know about the particular activities that um, Mr. Pink's engaging in, they may still be liable under Section 7 of the Act, subject to the defence of adequate systems and procedures. So just just sort of following on from that, obviously what is known and by whom is really important, but what would be the situation where Company A just doesn't look or turns a blind eye, or has given uh, Mr. Pink a large marketing budget to spend how he wants, and there's no scrutiny as to how that how that money's being used. What would be what would Company A sort of situation be there? Well, under um, Section Seven, Company A could be liable for Mr. Pink if Mr. Uh, activities if Mr. Pink has paid a bribe specifically to get business, keep business, or gain a business advantage. And if, uh, as you raise, Company A has simply provided Mr. Pink with a pot of gold to get on with it and just secure the contract uh, at whatever cost, then they're they're going to be liable under Section 7. The defence available to a commercial organisation in these circumstances are to say that, look, we had appropriate procedures in place to stop this type of activity that we've seen Mr Pink has been engaged in. Uh, And the, the, the government guidance really refers to six principles when considering the adequacy of the procedures. Um, First of all, that they should be proportionate. Um, There should be top-level commitment. There should be risk assessment, due diligence, communication and training, and monitoring and review. So in answer to the pot of gold question, um, Rachel, uh, uh, I strongly suspect that that wouldn't do as an explanation. So now let's have a look at Company B. And it seems to me that Company B looks as though it's the innocent party or perhaps, you know, the victim here. Um, So, Kevin... Is that right? Do you agree with that? And um, do you see any areas of vulnerability for Company B here? Superficially, you might say, well, hold on, Company B is is the victim here because they've been uh, improperly persuaded um, to uh, enter into a contractual arrangement with Company A in possibly less than favourable rates as a result of Mr Pink's activities. But you've got to look at um, the actions of those individuals employed within Company B, because if they have been um, the recipient of extensive hospitality that might be deemed to, in essence, representing a bribe, or indeed those individuals have accepted the cash payments provided by Mr. Pink, with or without the knowledge of Uh, company A, um, well, then those individuals um, would fall foul of the act. Evidentially, there might be examples of email trails between um, Mr. Pink, um, individuals within company B, that would perhaps provide a clearer picture as to 
why money was being paid, why extensible, extensive hospitality was being provided, uh, and also within Company B, why it was being accepted. So the, the emails are an interesting point, aren't they? Because um, if Company B became concerned about what had been going on and became concerned that perhaps payments had been made improperly or bribes had been given, um, in order to work out whether there was the problem and exactly what had happened and the extent of any problem, they will want to carry out an internal investigation. But obviously, as, as we've been discussing today, bribery is a is a serious criminal offence. So in those circumstances, they would need to tread extremely carefully, wouldn't they? Because there may already be a criminal criminal investigation underway or in the offing. And, um, you know, they would need to be very careful about not tipping anybody off or, you know, sort of accidentally meddling in, in a criminal investigation. So um, do you have any thoughts about how, how that situation would be best handled? Well, the email trail is actually quite a good um, illustration because the extent of both individual and corporate liability will obviously depend uh, upon the knowledge in our example of what Mr. Pink was doing, um, both within Company A and indeed Company uh, B. So if a company has a concern, they'll need to uh, tread pretty carefully because the commercial organisation would clearly want to avoid any accusation uh, in relation to tipping off or even... um, uh, the inadvertent destruction of evidence or individuals realising that their activities are, are now under suspicion, um, destroying evidence um, such as email trails that would present a clear picture uh, as to whether um, these activities were in breach of the Bribery Act or not. Um, so a, a sensible course might be to take some uh, early advice and consideration being given to bringing in external experts to carry out any investigation. And I suppose it's probably just worth making the point, isn't it, that tipping off is a a criminal offence in its own right. And um, destroying evidence could be perverting the course of justice, which is also a a criminal offence in its own right. So, you know, the, the stakes are pretty high. So I thank you very much, Kevin. That's been um really interesting and I think has shown that actually what might on the face of it seem to be quite a straightforward issue is actually an extremely complex area and that things are you know sort of having looked at the scenario we've looked at today that things are often not as clear-cut as they would at first seem. Undoubtedly right Rachel and thank you very much. Thank you. This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast.